0: Our scripture today comes from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures you must understand this my beloved let everyone be quick to listen slow to speak slow to anger for your anger does not produce god's righteousness therefore rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law The law of liberty and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act. They will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for the orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. So when I became a church planter, I bought this book. It's called Killing Cockroaches. And I I know you're wondering why in the world would anybody buy this book, (laughs) but it's a book that was written for ministers, and it says on the back, why keep killing cockroaches forever bogged down in the mundane and small details when you could be making a big impact with your leadership and your life. And the author, his name is Tony Morgan, he goes on to talk about how so often in ministry we get caught up in all these things that don't really matter. And those things suck our time and suck our energy and they keep us from doing the work that we are called to do as God's people. And so I was, I meet with a group of ministers every Monday on Zoom and they're people I went to seminary with and they typically always preach the lectionary. And so our scripture for today comes from the lectionary text. And if you don't know what the lectionary is, it's a three-year cycle of readings for every week that takes you through the Bible. The only problem with preaching the lectionary is then people never hear any of those other texts that are not included in this cycle. But so I told him that we had chosen James and we were preaching on being doers on Labor Day. Seems appropriate, doesn't it? And my friend Bill said, oh, I preached on that last week. Do you want me to send you my sermon? And I was like, sure, I would love to read it. So... (laughs) He sent it to me, I read it to Sharla, just the beginning, and we laughed and laughed and carried on, and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to tell these stories, because it's so much easier to hear stories about someone else's church, right, (laughs) than it is our own, and so my friend Bill he, he was getting ready to preach on this text, and he decided to go online and listen to what other people had preached on because he'd done it so many times. He was looking for inspiration. And he, he goes online and gets this audio of this preacher from Kentucky, and he's like, oh, I'll, I'll listen to this guy. So the man gets up with his limited amount of time in which he is unpacking the Word of God, and he starts out like this. Everybody needs to know that we raised enough money for the jackhammer. (laughs) And Bill's like, what? What? One, why do you need a jackhammer? Two, why can't you rent a jackhammer? And who even knows how to work a jackhammer, right? And so he's like, what in the world? And so the guy goes on, and he starts talking about how they'd raised the money, and they were going to purchase this jackhammer. And so Bill sits through this, thinking he'll come next to, you know, the Scripture, and then next, he starts apologizing to everybody in the church who did not get invited to his wife's impromptu surprise birthday party the previous week. And so, parent, this, <laughs> Bill and Charlotte and I all were like, oh, we know exactly what this is. When Bill, he just turned it off after that. He didn't even listen to what the man had to say about the scripture. Because in his mind, he's like, I see what happened to this guy. He was walking through the halls of the church before the uh, the the sermon and the and the worship time, and people kept asking him over and over again, "Did we raise the money? Are we getting the jackhammer? Did we raise the money? Are we getting the jackhammer?" And other people are saying, "Heard about your wife's birthday party, right?" And so here he gets up in this limited amount of time that he has to unpack the scripture from James, which is loaded with great stuff to talk about, and he has to spend his time giving a trustee's report for all the people that want to know if they raised the money for the jackhammer, and two, trying to smooth over all the ruffled feathers of those who didn't come to his wife's birthday. So he invites everybody to come for cake after church that day, right? Cockroaches. These are things that draw away from what he needed to be doing, what he was called to do that morning, which was to unpack the scripture, to listen for the Holy Spirit, to move, to call us to the good news, to encourage people in the church to live lives that follow God's way. And so when Bill listened to this guy and he started thinking about all the funny things that had happened to him in ministry, he told me this great story. He was working at a church in Arkansas <laughs> And they had two Fellowship Halls. It was one of those big old buildings that they expanded during the 50s and had, you know, multiple layers and levels. And he said every time he went into Fellowship Hall and turned on the light, he was scared because there was a life-size cutout of Elvis in Fellowship Hall. And so it would startle him because it was life-size. And so one day, he's with a group of men for some reason, and they're down there, and he says, why? Why? Do we have Elvis in Fellowship Hall? So he discovers that many years ago, they'd had karaoke night at church, and someone had brought Elvis, and people liked Elvis, so he was still there. So Bill says, but why is he still here, right? Why didn't Elvis go home after karaoke night? And, they, and they're like, well, because people liked him. And Janice, she loves Elvis. And Janice wanted him to be here all the time kind of thing. And so Bill's like, I really think Elvis should go home. <laughs> and so he, um, he gets, um, he's in his office a few days later. And, and a group of elders come in mass, which is never a good thing. It, it, it's, like, it's like if the administrative board all showed up on the same day and stood outside your office, right? And so this group of elders came in mass and he was thinking, what has happened? Or what have I done? Or, you know, and, and they came in and they said, we, want you, we really want you to con- reconsider your position on Elvis. Right? They didn't say, let's talk about how the church responds to injustice in the world. They didn't say, we're grappling with this text from the Bible that's really difficult, and how does it apply to our lives? They didn't say, how do we welcome people into our community and and show them that they are beloved? They didn't say, how do we take the church into the world? And show people the face of Jesus Christ. No. They wanted to know, how do we get Elvis back into Fellowship Hall? Those are cockroaches. Those are things that don't matter. Those are things that distract us. And we're so busy chasing them and stomping them out. That the things that really do matter don't get done. Or even worse, nobody even cares about right? I always tell the story about the church where um, they'd come in, the acolytes or whoever was carrying the, and they would always dip. They'd dip right under. And people, nobody could figure out why they carried the cross and they dipped all the time. And then somebody said, oh yeah, we used to have this barrier here, and you had to dip under it. Well, the barrier had been gone for a decade, and people were still dipping under it even though it wasn't there, because that's the way we've always done it. It's easy to laugh at other churches, isn't it? I remember my first round at faith, from 2006 to 2013 when I worked here as a youth director. Almost weekly, we had conversations about donuts. Donuts! If there was enough money for the donuts, if they were cut too small, if they were cut too large, if we gave out big ones, if the kids drank too much, if it was a mess, if there was people volunteering, there are cockroaches for almost seven years. Every week, we talked about donuts. And so our scripture today is about this gap, the gap between knowing God and of God, and living out a life that patterns ourselves after the holy that we are called to by Jesus Christ. James gives us very clear instructions in the scripture today. Basic. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. If you don't hear me say anything else today, this is worth doing. This is life transforming. Transforming. This can make a difference in how you present yourself to the world as a person who is a follower of Jesus. If you are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Verse 27 said, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We have this gap church, not just us, but everybody, in religion that is pure and undefiled and who we are today. This keeping oneself unstained takes devotion and it takes discipline. And as we pointed out in these illustrations from other churches, it seems that people are easily distracted, they are messy, And so often, they miss the point. I tell people all the time, if you're looking for the perfect church, you're never gonna find it. And you wanna know why? Because they're full of people. And people are messy, and they're broken, and they're complicated. We have to just be okay. At Living Water, we say every week, we are messy people invited to participate in God's holy work. And you know what? You get a lot less complaints when everybody says every week (laughs) we are messy people participating in god's holy work there's something about owning our messiness and saying it over and over again we are messy people participating in god's holy work the scripture today said be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. It's an interesting illustration that James uses, this mirror. And I also think we should notice that it's a mirror, not a window. We're not pointing out the window at all those people out there who failed to live up to what God has called them to be. We are not pointing out the window at those who we know could be doing this or that. No, we're to look in the mirror, remind ourselves who we are, people before we knew Jesus, and people who now, with our lives, represent God in the world, the image of God, Jesus, even Faith United Methodist Church. When I was the youth director here, before we got in the church van, I would say to the kids every time we got in the van, this van says the name of the church on the side of it, (laughs) right? And everywhere we go, people know who we are and where we're from. And so it's, it's important that when we have been in a restaurant, that we leave it cleaner than when we got there. It's important that the way we look through the windows and all of those things are good ways not silly ways or ways that would embarrass the church because not only do we represent faith united methodist church we represent jesus christ in the world every time we get in that van or we wear a t-shirt or something that identifies us as being from this church it seems appropriate to read the text this weekend, because it calls us to be doers and laborers for God. And these last two years, we have never been more aware of those who labor on our behalf. Those who, when we could stay at home, still had to go and be out there. We read about bus drivers in New York City that died by the hundreds because they had to go and drive the buses. We have seen uh, those people that are servers and sanitation workers and teachers who have got kids at home and trying to teach online and and all the 5,000 things we've asked parents and teachers to do. We know that those who stock the groceries or bring them to our car had to go to work in order for us to have that food we have been served and labored on behalf of in a way that we never considered before. And Jesus, through James, invites us to be laborers for God, to be more than just to know God, but to step over this gap between knowing and doing. He calls us the first fruits, and he reminds us that we are beloved And he calls us to do more and to be better. And what's so beautiful about the text is it says right here that God provides us with the gifts we need to do this work, that we are loved and that we have this assurance that we're not doing it alone, that God goes with us. And so God invites us to join in this worthy work as his laborers. And when we come to the communion table today, we are reminded of that motley group of first followers, how they regularly failed to understand what Jesus was teaching. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good. (laughs) When I read something and I don't understand and I think, you know those guys standing right next to him also did not understand? I feel like there's hope for me. We remember... That at the Last Supper, the two of the disciples fought at the table over which one of them Jesus loved more. That makes me feel good too. Because I know that those people at the table were messy, broken people. And they had no idea the significance of that moment and how we would be reenacting and talking about the Last Supper for all of these years. And we know because the scriptures tell us that those same people who walked away from their daily lives and their jobs to follow Jesus when he was arrested, they fled and they hid. They're people, people like us, people who are messy and broken who chase cockroaches and care about Elvis more than the good news and who point fingers at each other rather than seeing ourselves as a laborers for God. And so on this Labor Day weekend, may we be so thankful that God gives us the gifts that we need to do this work, that we are part of the beloved community and that we have the opportunity in our messiness and in our brokenness to still do holy and beautiful work. And so may we be thankful for this gift that is given to all of us. Amen.